This is episode 251 of the Two Birth and Beyond podcast. We're so excited to have you with us on this episode of To Birth and Beyond. I'm Jesse Mundell, mom, kinesiologist, and fitness coach to pregnant and current moms. And I'm Anita Lambert, mom, pelvic health and orthopedic physiotherapist with a focus on women's health. On the show, we provide information and education on fitness, the pelvic floor, fertility, pregnancy, birth, postpartum, and women's health. We offer a brave space to have candid and vulnerable conversations on the struggles and joys of motherhood including all aspects of our physical, mental, and emotional health. While you're listening in, please remember that the information on the show is not meant to diagnose or treat any medical conditions. Please speak with your medical provider for all things related to your healthcare. We're so excited to have you. Let's dive into today's show. Hey, it's Anita here. Before we jump into today's episode, I wanted to share some exciting news that the waitlist is now open for the group coaching option for my bump to birth method online program, which includes live teaching and only opens two times a year. If you're pregnant and want to have less pain and pelvic floor symptoms in pregnancy, want to know how to prepare mentally and physically for labor and pushing, including how to minimize tearing, and have your partner feel confident supporting you during birth, plus how to navigate a smoother postpartum recovery, then Bump to Birth is for you. The group coaching program option for Bump to Birth is for you if you enjoy learning through live weekly group coaching calls so you get the support and accountability to stay on top of being prepared, working through exercises and strategies in the program, plus get your questions answered in real time. You also get access to all the pre-recorded short audio and video lessons on the course platform, and you get access to the VIP Bump to Birth Facebook group to ask questions throughout your pregnancy and postpartum recovery and stay connected with me and other expecting moms going through the same experience as you who want to feel fully prepared for birth. Bump to Birth includes all the key exercises and strategies I used in my own two pregnancies, plus that I've shared with hundreds of pregnant moms I work with in my clinical practice. To kick off enrollment week at the end of September, I'll be hosting a live free masterclass walking you through step one in my Bump to Birth Method framework, which is the foundation of what you need to know to effectively connect with your pelvic floor in pregnancy so you can begin feeling more physically ready for birth. Whether you're preparing for your first or fifth birth, if you're wanting to feel fully prepared mentally and physically for labor, then head to the show notes or go to bumptobirthmethod.com to join the waitlist and to get special pricing for when the group coaching program opens, plus to sign up for the free masterclass. Okay, let's jump into today's episode. Welcome back to the Two Birth and Beyond podcast. It's Anita here. And today I thought it'd be helpful to share an episode about preparing for a VBAC. So that's a vaginal birth after cesarean. It's common that I see clients in clinic who are preparing for one or those who are joined bump to birth. But also I know Jess and I have heard from so many listeners who are also preparing for a VBAC. Now, this episode will also be helpful for you if you've given birth before and you had a vaginal birth, as well as if you're expecting for the first time, there's are going to be a lot of tips in this episode that are going to be helpful for anyone who is pregnant. So what I thought would be helpful is going through first mental prep and support prep together, including questions to think about, questions to ask those on your birth team, and then I'll go into the physical prep. 
And this episode too is coming from the perspective of a physiotherapist. So I see a lot of clients during pregnancy and for birth prep. And so there may be other parts of prep that you'll want to dive into, but I thought I would bring this up because it is a common question we get asked. So first, something to think about is, you know, do you have questions about why you had a cesarean birth last time? Was it clear why that was recommended for your birth? Because not everyone actually gets this answer. And while at the time, sometimes time goes by and you're just told that's just the way things needed to be. But as you start preparing for another pregnancy, or if you are currently pregnant, those questions come up again and often leave you wondering, like, why did it happen last time? Is that going to be the same reason that it happens this time? So I really encourage you, if you didn't receive answers or if you did receive answers, but you're they don't quite sit with you that you have more questions about your experience than if possible speaking to if you're able to connect with that first care provider that you had or going through it with your current care provider. There are always charts. So when you give birth, your birth team is always charting what is going on, questions that are being asked kind of the whole step of the way vitals for you and baby. So everything should be in a chart. And if possible, your care provider could access that even if they weren't the same care provider you had last time. Or if you're not pregnant, even speaking with your GP and they may be able to access those for you and, and walk you through what was written. Another question to think about is, do you feel trauma from your past birth experience? And not everyone does. I think there is a misconception that if you've had a cesarean birth or a certain type of birth, then it must be a negative experience. Or if you have another type of birth, it's a positive experience. And I can tell you from hearing so many birth stories from clients is that one type of birth does not equal a positive or a negative experience. And so I find one of the key parts of a positive experience, even if things don't go as you expected, which if you're planning for a vaginal birth and you have a cesarean birth, you didn't necessarily plan for that. But if you were supported and you were prepared on how to navigate birth on things that can come up during labor, questions to ask, and yeah, really, really important is the support you have from your birth team, then it can be a positive experience. So I wanted to bring that up because I don't want you to think just because you've had a cesarean birth that it necessarily was a negative or traumatic experience. But I do want you to think about this if you feel like your experience was traumatic, and this could be a vaginal or a cesarean birth, then are there steps you could take to help you walk through that or help you kind of sift through any questions that are lingering? So again, this could be with your current birth team if you're currently pregnant. Um, if you're not pregnant, but you're planning to in the future, then it can also be speaking to a therapist. There are some amazing therapists who have a focus on perinatal care. So I do find that does make a difference is speaking to a therapist or a counselor who has that focus because there are key things that they will be more aware of than a therapist who is not experienced in prenatal or postpartum care.
Now, also kind of, I've already talked about a little bit, but what was the support like last time when you gave birth? So your birth team, your care provider, and depending what type of care provider you had, um, there may be multiple people. So you may have had, you know, a physician and nurses, you may have had a midwife, you may have had a combination of all those. And if you even if you started with a midwife and you did move to a cesarean birth, then that means you would have had an obstetrician on your team, um, even if they weren't there to begin with, but to provide the cesarean birth. And so, you know, were you supported? Did you feel like things were explained to you? Did you feel like you were able to make informed decisions? Because regardless of the reasoning why a cesarean happened, they should still be talking you through why they're suggesting it. And it still ultimately is your decision, but it doesn't always end up feeling that way. And even if it's, you know, there's medical reasons and it, it needs to happen, they should still be talking you through that. And that's where I find there's such a difference for people who, again, have a, a positive unplanned cesarean birth is that support they had, especially from their birth team. And then also looking at support from your partner. What was that like during your laboring experience and then during the cesarean part of your birth? You know, did they did they feel prepared to actually support you during labor last time? And then also potentially you may have had a doula or you may be considering this time having a doula for support. Um, they've even researched having doula support and how helpful it can be in increasing the chance of a positive birth experience, um, less likely to have interventions. And again, if you do have a cesarean birth, having that continuous labor support can really help with how you feel after that experience. And so those are the different types of supports. I really encourage you, you know, take a little bit of time, think about what your support was like last time and what do you want to be either the same or that you want to be different this time around. And then speaking a bit further with a care provider, you know, this time around, do you have a care provider or are you seeking out a care provider who is supportive of VBAC? And so asking them questions on, you know, in terms of you could ask the percentage rate in terms of other clients who um, go for a VBAC and who have a VBAC and how do they support their patients in having a VBAC, questions to ask them. So that is really, really key is having a care provider that is supportive of you going through with a VBAC if that's something that you do choose. and. Something I should mention as well, a lot of my clients, and actually even today, this just comes to mind because I had a client who had a cesarean birth and she's thinking ahead that she does want to have a second child eventually and wasn't quite sure, do I want to have a planned cesarean? Do I want to have a VBAC? And I told her just the same I tell all my clients is that you really don't need to decide right now. Even once you are pregnant, you don't necessarily need to decide right away. You have time. So you can prepare for both and then make that decision when you're ready. And even Jess, uh, my podcast co-host here, she even shared about that experience with her second. She had an unplanned cesarean with her first and you'll be able to hear past episodes where she, she has shared about that. 
And her second, she did have a planned cesarean, but she didn't make that decision until the end of her pregnancy. Now, I do understand it could depend where you live, um, how soon you would necessarily have to make that decision, where I live and where Jess lives um, here in Ontario, Canada, is you could like you could start with a midwife. And then if you decide you do want to have a planned cesarean, then you're able to add an obstetrician to your team. And that could be uh, figured out later in your pregnancy. Whereas check where you live, that may need to happen sooner. Um, but yeah, a lot of times people don't need to necessarily decide right away. But it is important to have a care provider who does support if you do want to go for a VBAC. And another thing to consider with that mental prep side was, you know, was there anything missing last time with the prep that you want to do differently this time? Like maybe you look back last time and you realize, okay, maybe I didn't really understand all the options that did exist both for medicated or an unmedicated birth. And I really encourage you to dive into both, even if your, your preference is very much one way or the other. It is really key to understand both because if you are, if you're preferring a medicated birth, if you're preferring to have an epidural, there is still going to be time prior to having that epidural that it really helps to know how to move through those contractions, how to be present in them, to use other strategies to help you through those contractions before you do get your epidural. And then once you have an epidural, knowing some really key factors in helping baby position and helping you get into different positions. If you've listened to the podcast for a bit um, or follow me on Instagram, you know that I'm a big fan of the peanut ball which is like a birth ball, but shaped like a peanut shell. And it is amazing if you are in bed, especially with an epidural. And a lot of people don't know that that exists. So that would be something to look into as well. But like I said, even if you're planning medicated birth, I really encourage you and your partner to understand strategies for labor prior to having an epidural. And if you're planning or preferring an unmedicated birth, definitely still learn about all the uh, medicated options. So epidurals, but also there's other medication that um, can be options depending again, what is offered where you're planning to give birth, because you may choose that in labor, that that would be helpful for you. And then that way you can really make an informed decision on what feels best for you and when that would feel best versus going in and not even knowing what the options are or then deciding, okay, I do want to have medication during my labor and then not knowing different options um, if you're not necessarily able to move out of the bed. So I encourage you, think back, were there any things, you know, missing in terms of your prep? Another part some people realize is when it comes to pushing. A lot of people feel lost in terms of understanding what their body might be doing or knowing they can wait until until their body is ready to push different breathing strategies that can be helpful you know understanding how to relax the body as much as possible which 
often we're told, you know, your pelvic floor needs to be strong to push the baby out, but really your pelvic floor does not push the baby out. It needs to lengthen and get out of the way to allow baby to exit. So different things that maybe now that you see like, huh, okay, maybe this time around, I want to prepare differently and learn some new knowledge to really help me be informed going into this next birth experience. And then going back to your partner actually being prepared to support you. And there's so many ways that they can support you. And you don't really know what you're going to want in labor until you're in labor. However, I don't recommend just not preparing at all because of that reason. If anything, learning different options is going to help you feel prepared for whatever your body wants. So one thing would be hands-on strategies. So like hip squeezes, sacral pressure, acupressure, those for some people can feel amazing in labor. Whereas others, you don't want to be touched. You're like, don't even come near me. You need to support me from afar, essentially in the, in the room or even um, depending where you're giving birth, you may want them in the room next door, but just being, you know, present. So hands-off strategies, you know, like making sure you drink, go pee, change labor positions. Your partner really needs to understand different options around those and even different strategies of how to encourage you to change position or to go to the washroom if you haven't in a while. So really, really helpful. And then also for partners to know how to ask questions to make informed decisions. And if they really understand your birth preferences, they can be such a key role in helping during your labor that you can focus on your contractions, you can focus on labor, and they can answer questions for you. And then if it really needs to be asked to you, then they can kind of open that and, you know, say, you know what, maybe we should ask you in terms of during labor, but ideally keeping you in kind of your labor zone and not being interrupted by questions is actually really helpful. So if they understand your birth preferences, they understand how to ask questions and what questions to ask that can really help. And even, you know, going into another birth, ask them if you haven't discussed it already, you know, how did they feel during your last birth? I think of one of my clients who, again, had a cesarean and was planning a VBAC. And when her husband joined us for a session and he said, you know, I, you know, they had prepared last time, but during labor, he really felt left out. Like he, he didn't feel that the birth team was communicating with him what was going on and understanding the degree of which there were some medical things going on that needed to be addressed. And he just he felt left out of it and this time around he was like that's not happening again like this is my wife going through labor I want to be informed of what is going on so I can help with those decisions because I know what she wants and I want to be a part of it so he prepared so well and he asked questions he went to some of the prenatal appointments asked questions of the care providers and then also during labor he felt more equipped to ask questions and then after to hear from him he just felt like so much more aware of what was going on and they had a very positive VBAC experience so 
I just encourage you, there are so many pieces to your next birth experience. And to know it shouldn't be all on you to prepare, that your birth team is a big part of it. Uh, if you have a partner, they are a big part of it. And then potentially other supports like a doula or another family member that might be supporting you during labor, they can all make such an impact on your experience. Now to round out the, the mental prep, something to think about this time is what are some mental ways to keep you focused during labor? And again, there often is a lot of, I would say, focus on physical prep when it comes to labor and not so much about the mental prep. And if you're preparing for a VBAC, that means you've given birth before. And so you know that birth, that it is such a mental event. Yes, it's physical, but it is equally a mental event. And so what can be helpful is finding ways to help you stay in the zone, to help you stay focused on one contraction at a time, how to breathe through it, how to release tension. And so it could be, you know, learning different breathing strategies during pregnancy. You may find certain meditation tracks or affirmation tracks helpful, or maybe it's reading affirmations. You know, you could have, some people will write out affirmations and have those more of a visual to be able to see during labor, or maybe you want your partner or your doula reading them out during labor. Um, some people like to hear nature sounds because that is particularly relaxing. Others like to put in um, earplugs because again, if you're in a hospital setting, you don't know what sounds are going to be happening. There is beeping. There may be other people in the hall, in other rooms. There's going to be people in and out who are talking. And so earplugs or noise-canceling headphones are good too. Just so then you can stay in your zone and you can focus on what your body needs to do and not be constantly interrupted by other unexpected sounds. So let's move into the physical prep when it comes to a VBAC. But again, if you didn't have a cesarean last time, you had a vaginal birth, this will still apply to you or if you're um, expecting for the first time. But the first part will be if you had a cesarean and this is addressing your cesarean scar. So it's not uncommon. You won't be given much information when you leave the hospital with like right after your cesarean. So You'll often be given pain meds, maybe some information about how to initially care for your scar, keeping it clean, keeping it dry, you know, making sure you let them know any signs of infection, but that's usually about it. And then at your first postpartum appointment, and again, depending where you live, it might be different timing, but usually around six to eight weeks, um, your scar may or may not be looked at. It should be looked at, but I can tell you from working with a number of clients, it's not always looked at. Sometimes I'm the first uh, professional to actually look at their scar. And so you, if you haven't addressed it at all and it's still like there's tightness around the scar or there may even still be symptoms, you may have tenderness, you may have numbness, is that you can still address it prior to pregnancy or in pregnancy with scar massage. That may be something that is helpful. Um, for you. So it's never too late to address a cesarean scar. And if this time around you do have another cesarean, they typically go through the same area. So it will be like you have a new scar 
um, where your previous one was. But it can be helpful addressing any tension in the area, so around the scar, around the abdomen. And then also the pelvic floor. Often people are told, oh, you had a cesarean birth, so your pelvic floor isn't affected. But it's actually not true. So it can be common to have pelvic floor symptoms after a cesarean birth. And it also can depend on a number of factors. If you had them in pregnancy, so your pelvic floor may have been affected during pregnancy, but also through your labor, if you did end up pushing for a period of time, that can impact your pelvic floor too. But one symptom that I do find is common, whether you went all the way to pushing or not with your birth before having a cesarean is internal pelvic pain. So that can be pain with penetration, with intercourse. It can be from there being tension within those pelvic floor muscles, which can be there for a variety of reasons. Um, it's almost like those muscles are guarding afterwards and it can be guarding due to, you know, from what's gone on above with your cesarean birth. But I often find it's also to do with stress or individuals who that birth experience, if it was a traumatic birth experience, our nervous system wants to protect us. And one of the first muscles that comes on when we're under stress is our pelvic floor. So having tension within those muscles, like I said, is not uncommon after cesarean birth. So if you experience that, but you could also experience leaking, you could experience prolapse, you could experience other types of pelvic girdle pain. So any pain around the pelvis, uh, tailbone pain, constipation. So all the different types of pelvic floor symptoms can still happen. So if possible, if you can see a pelvic health physio or take an online program where you're learning more about the pelvic floor can really be helpful either before pregnancy or once you're pregnant again as well. It can be really helpful to understand where these muscles are, how they work, and not just doing these general blankets kind of suggestions of Kegels, which usually no one is actually told what that means. And so you just start trying to clench muscles around your vaginal opening thinking, okay, this just must be what it is. But there's so much more to it and learning how to connect your breath to those muscles. Because sometimes again, too, going back to, you know, why did the cesarean happen last time? And I have some care providers who, you know, I'll see clients postpartum and they will even send me a letter with permission from their patient. And, you know, sometimes it will end up being that client had a hard time relaxing into labor and even the pelvic floor, like everything was just really, really tense. And that was contributing to labor, not progressing. And so understanding that our pelvic floor is dynamic, it needs to be flexible. It needs to be able to activate and relax. And when it comes to labor, that relaxation component is really, really important. So learning more about that uh, in your pregnancy or prior to pregnancy can make such a difference too. And then the last two parts of the physical prep have to do with exercise. And one is mobility exercise. Mobility exercise, it almost looks like moving stretches. So even if you picture different movements within yoga or prenatal yoga, a lot of those would be considered mobility exercises where you're moving through different positions. For example, cat-cow. That's a great mobility exercise for your entire spine, including your neck. 
or thread the needle is another great one. And that's a mobility exercise for your back and even opening up into your chest and shoulder and to your neck. So those types of movements can be great because again, releasing tension around the area can be helpful. It can potentially help with baby position. So going back to the start of the episode, when I said, you know, do you have questions about why your cesarean happened? And potentially it could be due to baby positioning, whether they were OP, which would be, we call it like sunny side up. So if baby is facing their head down, but if they're facing forward, it is still possible to have a vaginal birth. However, sometimes it's harder for baby to rotate through your pelvis even with the different position changes and that it just may not have have happened. And that's why a cesarean birth was recommended because they weren't moving through your pelvis or breach, which would be when their head is not down, their head is up. It could be um, their bum is down or their feet or one foot is down. And so that might've been why you had your cesarean. So I do find mobility exercises as well as you may be familiar with spinning babies that has different techniques as well to help with baby positioning. And a lot of it does stem around mobility exercise. So creating space and releasing tension uh, within the body, which also the bonus is it often makes pregnancy a lot more comfortable. So mobility exercise, I find makes a big difference with um, aches and pains in pregnancy too. And then the other type of exercise is strength. So I'm a big advocate for a balance of mobility and strength exercise in pregnancy and also postpartum, not just one or the other. And strengthening exercises can be helpful, including, you know, bringing the pelvic floor into it, but also in terms of really helping you, again, stay active during pregnancy. And this time around, if you're preparing for a VBAC, that means you have another little one. So that's also going to feel different this pregnancy. You may still need to be lifting them, carrying them, being more physically active day to day. So strength can really help with that. Plus, I'm also a big fan of preparing you for what's to come after birth. And now that you've gone through it once, you do know it's going to be work lifting the baby. You put the baby in the car seat. You're lifting a pretty good amount of weight fairly soon afterwards. And then you've got the stroller and all the awkward lifting in terms of the bassinet or the crib or, you know, picking the baby up off the floor. All these things that if you can do some strength training in pregnancy, that can really help for your postpartum recovery too. So to wrap things up for preparing for a VBAC is going back to that idea of how do you want to prepare differently this time? So looking into what was your support like last time or lack of support last time, if that's how it felt, what supports could you have this time that would make it more likely to have a positive experience? And then what can you do differently to prepare, but also your partner so that they are more prepared for supporting you this time around? And then what can you do to help you mentally during birth to stay focused on what's going on, to know what questions to ask, help advocate for your preferences. And then around the physical prep, so addressing your previous cesarean scar around your pelvic floor and looking into mobility and strength exercise. So 
I'd love to hear from you. If you're preparing for a VBAC this time around, let me know. Send me a DM either at To Birth and Beyond over on Instagram or on my page at Holistic Health Physio on Instagram as well. I would love to hear from you and any questions you have around preparing for birth this time around. We hope you enjoyed listening to this episode of the To Birth and Beyond podcast. You can find any links or resources we discussed in the show notes at tobirthandbeyond.com. And if you enjoyed today's show, we would love for you to leave us a review on iTunes and subscribe to the To Birth and Beyond podcast in iTunes or Stitcher. 